This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 155. Oh, I didn't know that about you. Of the in-between podcast where you'll discover the tools to build a marriage and family that you love. My name is Daniel Lim. And I'm Christina M. Well, today we're going to be diving into the Enneagram again and talking with Danny Cooper about how the Enneagram can help us understand our spouses better. Daniel, we've been studying the Enneagram for a few years, and the one thing that I am deeply grateful for is that it has really helped us see each other with greater compassion and empathy. You'll hear more about this during the interview, but the Enneagram helped us discover some of the lies we were believing about ourselves. Once we were aware of them, well, as a married couple, we were able to speak God's truth and love to one another to help each other no longer crawl back to believing these lies. Through counseling, we've been able to explore these lies and wounds even more and find continual healing and freedom from these lies. Yeah, we're so thankful to Danny Cooper for helping us understand what some of the lies are that each type believes and how, as their spouse, we can help them discover the truth of who God says they are and love them through this sometimes winding journey. Well, before we jump into the episode, in case you don't know Danny Cooper, she is a certified Enneagram teacher and coach for individuals, couples, and teams. She is the author of a new book, The Enneagram for Christian Couples. She is passionate about encouraging others to get on the road to self-discovery and believes that only as we begin to understand ourselves, we, we can begin to truly love and care for the people in our lives and grow in a relationship with God and the world around us. When she's not studying or teaching the Enneagram, you can find her outside gardening and exploring nature with her husband and three kids. To find out more about Danny and to pick up a copy of her book, just go to inbetween.org slash episode 155. All right, now let's listen in. Thank you so much for joining us on the In Between podcast. We are so excited to talk to you about the Enneagram for understanding your spouse. Yes, that's a that's a that's a big subject, and I think it's really needed today, don't you? <laughs> uh, I agree, especially considering the fact that probably in the last two years we spent a lot more time with our spouse in maybe yeah. smaller areas that's than right. we're used to. Uh, yeah. When we said "till death do us part," maybe we were not thinking "till COVID is over." <laughs> so this is a new arena that I think we're all learning to to be together with. Well, yeah, because when. If if you've been married for any number of years, pre-COVID, now we know many people who have gotten married during COVID yes. and that's that's different. But if you've been married for any number of years before it, yeah, this is not regular life. No, not at all. Yeah, this is just, you. yeah, I mean, vacations are like this, right? But not everyday work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Very true. Well, Danny, and I know you're going to be helping us today uh, because you have written a book, The Enneagram for Christian Couples. Now, I know uh, even our podcast family, we have lots of uh, resources out there for The Enneagram. So we would love to hear kind of what prompted you to write this book and what perspective do you have to add um, to maybe what's already out there? Like, 
what's different that you're bringing to the table? Yeah. So thank you so much for having me. It's really awesome to get to be here to talk about something I'm really passionate about, um, the Enneagram, and also how we can do relationships better, how we can mm-hmm. um, really understand ourselves. The, the relationship with ourselves is really important. But the relationships that we have with others is what makes up the world, right? And then how mm-hmm. that's all encompassed by our relationship with God. So all of those things really converged for me when I got to write this particular book. Um, So I just think that one of the things that I tried to really write from was a sense that compassion and understanding is is so needed today and can take us um, so much deeper in our relationships with our spouses, whether we've been locked up with them for a long time during COVID Um, whether we've been with them for um, 30 years, like I've been Mm -hmm. with my husband, um, everything is changing day by day. And I think we need tools to help us be in relationship better, you know, especially when crazy things are going on in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. So um, in terms of the Enneagram for Christian couples, when someone's like, you know what, I've, I've listened to a few podcasts, I've read a few books, what is something that you were like, you know what, I would love you to read this because it, it gives you something else? Uh, my book in particular? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that there's a, I mean, I have read almost every Enneagram book that's out there, and there are so many awesome books. I think what made me think that I could contribute something else in a different area is just to be able to give something that's concise and can help people maybe on a weekend retreat away, just sort of really get to know each other um, in in a simple way. You can go very deep with the Enneagram system. It's one of the things that I love about it. And I learn something new about the Enneagram uh, because of all of its layers every day. My book, I think, is a pretty easy entry point into the Enneagram. I don't, you know, I don't hold that my book covers everything about the Enneagram, but I think it gets you um, to the important places where you can start to build this deep connection with your spouse in a a really uh, insightful and compassionate way. Yeah, perfect. And now, um, as we were talking a little bit before we started recording, there's always an origin story for a book, right? (laughs) And there's the origin story on the publishing side of it. But then there's the there's there's that there's that big why right i mean you cuz you you get writer's block and and then there's multiple times and and you had mentioned that you're an enneagram 1 so even with with that right? That perspective in coming to a book, you're probably like, Oh, I can't do this. Oh, I can do this. Oh, I'm excited. No, I, and there's this, (laughs) but, but underneath the surface, right? There is kind of this driving, but I need to do this. Like, this is why, uh, can you just share a little bit of that too? Absolutely. So people have told me, uh, yeah, I think you should write a book someday many times. However, you mentioned I'm an Enneagram one to put something out into the world feels like it has to be absolutely perfect. And so sometimes perfectionism can really get in the way of the things we're supposed to do on small scale things and on large scale things. So I'm not sure if I would have ever written a book except for God kind of said, all right, here's this project. 
this publisher reached out to me and and mm. asked if I would be interested in writing a book about the Enneagram and Christian couples. Mm-hmm. And I it just literally dropped in my lap. I, I got to write for it and be chosen from some authors that were also thinking that maybe they would want to write this. And so right. for me, it was a lot of confirmation that uh, the people who had told me I should write a book, that God kind of believed that too. So, you know, yeah, when God yeah. drops a book deal in your lap, you say... All right, I'm gonna listen. <laughs> exactly, and I had every I'm here for you it. Described, for yeah, sure. yeah, oh so, no, for sure. Yeah, so because you're right, how you know why would I think that there needed to be another Enneagram book? But I do think that this area with relationships and and mm-hmm. helping us discover how we see. I think mm-hmm. first of all, it's it's discovering that we have a way of seeing and being in the world. Like we kind of walk around like everyone thinks like we do and sees like we do. Um, And then we run into trouble when we find people who don't. And there's a lot of that in the world today. Yeah. Discovering that we have a way of seeing and then understanding that other people have equally valid ways of seeing as well. So the Enneagram being a system to help you see is so helpful also in helping you understand your partner and how they see as well. Because, man, if you haven't gotten crossways with your partner over, you know, just the dumbest thing because you each <laughs> had a different idea, then, you know, right. are you really in relationship? Because that's kind yeah. of how things roll. But the exactly. Enneagram really helps us understand that, um, y- you know, our partner's have a valid way of seeing as well. And mm. it hopefully can help us really bring up some compassion for that way of seeing too. Yeah. What you've done just there, uh, you've, you've repeated this word see multiple Mm -hmm. times. And honestly, I love that. I love that because I don't think I've heard someone or anyone even with the multiple podcasts that we've done previously on the Enneagram and in reading books about it, describe it in that way Mm -hmm. that it's like, Hey, this is, it's a tool that'll help you see, right. And see, better yourself and and see your spouse and other people and see the way that they see as well. And I just, yeah, I I absolutely love that, Danny. Yeah. And I would love to hear, Danny, as you uh, talked about that you have been with your your spouse for 30 years. And so that's a lot of time pre-COVID. Right? (laughs) Right. We would love to hear just from your own personal experience with your uh, perhaps understanding of the Enneagram and your spouse as well. Is there anything that helped you uh, be able to maybe um, be together well during COVID? Okay, there's there are so many examples I could give. And I actually <laughs> tell one of the stories um, in, the, in the beginning of the book about a, a relationship struggle that we happen to have on the way to a vacation one time. But I think I'll save this and I'll save that for if you want to read that part of the book. But <laughs> my husband is an Enneagram 6. And um, as an Enneagram 6, he tends to ask a lot of questions. And, um, that drives me crazy. If you're, if I want to be honest (laughs) here, which I totally do, um, he starts, an answer to one of the questions that I ask him. He often asks, asks a question in return. So instead of giving me the answer, I'm still waiting for the answer and he's still gathering information. So that used to drive me crazy before I understood that this is how he starts to find safety in the world. This is how Mm. he he gets the information he needs so that he can give the answer that I'm looking for. So that's just one tidy example of of how when he does that now, I can choose Mm -hmm. whether I'm going to be irritated or I I can use my understanding, remember how he sees 
and answer his question before he finally gives me an answer. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, and I think most most couples can relate to an experience like that. Right. <laughs> exactly. And 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 we've mentioned this on previous episodes, but Christina and I being both threes on the Enneagram was just it really brought our relationship to a different level because we've done so many different assessments and and I'm certified as a strengths finder, like a Gallup strengths finder coach. So that's kind of been my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Our and lens of seeing. Yeah, each our other. lens. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And we're so different on that. And then on the Myers Briggs and on this and on that. So different. and then the Enneagram was like, wait a second. There's a w- we actually see the world in the same way. Uh-huh. Uh which makes so much sense that we would podcast like (laughs) as a side hustle for so many years because we're not busy at all we're not busy at all right and this like this is for for fun right so uh so yeah so all all that to say uh danny i i've I've heard you say you know you're you're talking about seeing and and understanding and and uh, many of our listeners would be aware that there's this famous uh, quote from Stephen covey seven habits of highly effective people right he says seek first to understand and then to be understood. Uh, can you So can you just explain how the Enneagram can help couples understand each other a bit better and, and also how it can help um, each other be understood? Yeah, I love that quote. And I think I apply it a little differently than maybe even Stephen Covey means it because I think that understanding has to be, begin with ourselves, right? Like mm-hmm. I think that awakening your self-awareness and understanding how you're operating is the bridge that leads you to be able to understand other people and how to see. Mm. And I think that's true even in our faith that we have to kind of um, know who we are in relationship with God. I think it was John mm. Calvin that said, without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. And so this understanding of ourselves, first of all, we understand how we're seeing things and then we open to see how someone else does. Um, When we have that understanding of self, we can come out of that a little bit and then understand the other. This is where Mm -hmm. um, the compassion can grow because the Enneagram, like you said, there's so many cool assessments out there and they help us understand ourselves in different ways. A lot of them are very behaviors based. And so, mm. um, but the Enneagram is really different because it looks to our motivations and it looks to our fears right. and, the, and it looks at our desires, what we really want. And so when we understand um, that our spouses are doing so much because they are afraid of something or they're really hmm. desiring something in their hearts, um, this can help us not just be irritated at the behaviors But look deeper at their motivation and say, oh, it's because you're afraid of this thing. And then we know exactly how we can apply the love and the grace that we need in order to deepen our relationship and support the people we love the most. Hmm. So Right. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Um, we're all about the nitty gritty on our podcast of, okay, I love the theory and I love that. What does that practically look like? Would you be willing to share a story, Danny, maybe from your own personal life or a friend's life that you that you saw um, how the Enneagram was able to help each other understand each other better. Mm, Yeah. So I guess I've spent a lot of time with my kids and my family. So there's a lot Mm -hmm. of examples there. (laughs) I, you know, my kids are a little bit older and so they're at the age where they know their Enneagram types. And so we can work within those bounds and, and use that knowledge. So I think the stories that come to mind first are how I relate to my kids based on knowing 
um, what they want out of out of life the most, what what sort of words they need to hear in order for them mm. to feel seen and loved. And so I have a daughter who is a type two. Uh, she's the most um, helpful kid I have for sure. Um, <laughs> and as a parent, that's so nice because, you know, it seems like whenever they finally get old enough to be helpful, they don't really want to be helpful anymore. I don't know if you've noticed that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> But knowing that she's a two and that she's getting a lot of her um, feeling of being loved by, um, you know, wanting to help and and how I'm receiving that help, I know to be careful not to overuse that for her, right? I know hmm. that she wants to be helpful, but I also know that if I can appreciate her when she's not helping me, that that's going to speak more deeply to mm, her heart. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. So good. And so I think we can use the Enneagram in that way. And, you know, speaking at the heart level to someone always is a blessing and a way to build them up. And, and that's how I want to use the Enneagram. I think it's its greatest application is, is loving people better. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to go on a side tangent here because I know what, you know, our podcast family like, okay, Danny, so your kids are older. Yeah. They know our kids are um, 12 and under. So we haven't really necessarily explored the Enneagram with typing them. Yeah. Can you tell a little bit uh, about your experience and the process of kind of knowing when this should be explored together uh, between the parents and the children? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And if you're a parent who loves the Enneagram, it's going to be tempting to type <laughs> your kids. And, you know, I think that it's really important that you follow your child's lead. As someone mm. who has been steeped in the Enneagram for years, um, my kids know the Enneagram. <laughs> and so, so right. and, you know, so they know that, that they know their types and stuff, but still you need to follow your kid's lead. Like, I don't want to frame everything that I do toward them, you know, by talking about their type, because they are so much more than just their type. But if you have a child who's who's younger, and you're just noticing some things, you're like, mm, this one looks like she could be a one, and you're noticing right. some things based on your knowledge, I would um, really encourage you to just keep that info to yourself. You can mm. use your knowledge to to maybe, you know, find ways to tell them that they're doing well, and that and, you know, to help them not be quite so perfectionistic in all of their pursuits. But I don't think you need to put any sort of a label on them. Use your wisdom wisely as a parent. Yeah. And yeah. one day, if they're interested in learning more about that, then I think you'll, you'll see signs of that. So yeah. that's my That's advice. a good word. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Okay. Yeah. We've been resisting yeah, <laughs> typing yeah, our hard. kids. But yeah, it is. You it is. see patterns, yes, right? You see patterns, of like, but... is that? But and the same thing. It's motivations, right? We're seeing yes. behaviors. We're not necessarily yeah. seeing motivations, or even asking them why did why why what was behind the reason like of you doing that? And yeah. some, I mean, they're under twelve, so a lot of times yeah. they don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> even as adults, sometimes we're like, I don't even know why yeah. I did that or why I said that. Absolutely. <laughs> right? I think so, another way to do that is is if they're old enough and they seem interested. And this, by the way, goes for if you have a spouse who is not into the Enneagram and you are, mm -hmm. and you're kind of like, I really want to use this Enneagram wisdom together. You know, right. it, it doesn't help to push, right? So a, a gentle mm -hmm. way to go about it um, is to have them read about you. If your child is old enough and they are maybe interested, oh, say, hey, this is, okay. this is kind of my personality as your mom, or this is my personality as your wife. What do you think? And nine oh, times out of that's 10, wonderful. 
nine times out of 10, they get curious about who they might be too. And that's a gentle um, inroad into seeing wow. if they oh, can that's so good. That is interest. brilliant. Like what a disarming way. There is. Yeah, it right? really is. To approach the Enneagram with mm-hmm. that, that's a, with um, a loved one who's resistant. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, maybe it means just picking up a copy of your book and placing it on the coffee <laughs> table and just yeah. leaving it there. Exactly. Yeah. People like it. to be asked for their opinion. So like, here, read yeah. about me. Do you think this sounds like me? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books, available wherever books are sold. Well, Danny, for the remaining time of our podcast, we'd love for you to tell us about the lies that each type believe Mm. and how we can, like you said earlier, how we can love this type well if they are our spouse. Okay. Yeah. This was one of my favorite parts of the book. Um, In a way, our type is sort of, it's the way we see, but it's kind of the way we see not very clearly and not very truthfully. You know, Mm. we we look through this lens that's a little mucked up by false stories and um, narratives that really affect how we do everything in our lives. And so knowing these about yourself and knowing these about Mm. your partner can really help you know right where to apply the truth that they need, okay, mm-hmm. as a spouse. Mm-hmm. So so I will start with type one. Um, and ones, you know, I, for each of these types, I've included two different lies that they believe in the book. I'm just going to touch on one here today. So if you're interested in the other one, you might want to grab your copy of the book. But the first yeah, one for, sure. for, things, for type one, which is my type, is that perfection lie is I, it's if I'm not perfect, then I'm no good at all. And wow. hmm. if this isn't your type, you might think, well, that sounds silly. And it's not silly to the person who's listening, who's a one. It's kind of mm. the place they operate out of. And that's where the perfectionism comes in. Um, yeah. Ones are black and white thinkers a lot of times. And if they miss the mark, it can feel very devastating. Now, as their mm. partner... Um, you can really support them by reminding them that they are good, that God made them good. He didn't look back at his creation and say, it is perfect. He said, it is good. And they are part of that creation and that they don't need to be perfect to be loved. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm just thinking of friends who are ones or even we might have uh, a type one in our family. Um, Is that reminding them that? Is that just with words? Is it through our actions? What are ways, especially for you, Danny, too, because you're you're a type one as well. What do you need to hear or feel or sense from a loved one to know that you are good? That's a great question. I think it'll it'll vary, but I think you can't go wrong with words of affirmation and with mm-hmm. how you are. Like, say, this is a child, um, you know, 
being fine if they come home with an 89 on a test or a 79 or whatever, not expecting perfection from them. There's a lot of subtle things we do as parents that can support that because it's really nice if your kid is towing the line all the time. So for a child perspective, just finding ways to let them be and let them be Mm -hmm. a little messier than they would ordinarily commend them for when they're not being perfect and they're still feeling okay about themselves. Right. Yeah. I love that from a child perspective. How about from a spouse? Because we might actually enjoy that our spouse um, has everything together, so to speak. They yeah. they pick up the slack or whatnot. So how can we love our spouse more, even if we appreciate that they're perfectionists? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. that's a good question. Yeah. That is a good question. And there is that's the truth of it. Is sometimes we come to expect those things out of our spouses, but when we learned that they're healthy, their healthiest selves and their truest selves, um, you know, are are better and more like God made them to be without this shell of personality that's on them. Um, we can right. start encouraging them. Maybe like, well, perfectionism is pretty rigid and it's a harsh taskmaster. So when you yeah. see your spouse relaxing and um, resting before all the work is done or just having a good time and being playful, appreciate that about them. And, and, and they'll start to learn that, oh, this part of me is welcome as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love uh, what yeah. you said, the shell of personality. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that's so beautiful. What a, what a perfect way of explaining that. Mm-hmm. So how about type twos? Okay. What kind of lie do they believe and how can we love them more? Okay, so twos are the helpers, right? And they get a lot of their identity from knowing the needs of the people in their lives and um, helping them. And, and, and so the appreciation and the love and the affirmation that they get from them as what they build a personality around. Um, so the truth is, like you said, we do love the way that twos care for us, right? Right. But they really need reassurance that, um, that, that even if they're not helpful and loving, that you still love them, that you love who they are, even if they're, they're not in there doing the dishes, right? So mm-hmm. finding ways to appreciate some attributes that are separate from their doing for you is a really good right. way to help them feel good about themselves. And again, it could look a lot of different ways as far as things you tell them. Um, it also really can speak to it too if you um, help them do self-care, right? Like, hey, I got this massage for you. You are so great at helping everyone else, but this is this is something just for you. Help them fill them their cup, you know? Yeah, that's wonderful. That's that's a very practical idea. That's yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so let's go to four. I don't want to hear three. You don't hear three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Let's yeah. I don't want to hear the lies about myself. Just okay, fine. Stick it to okay, us, yeah. Danny. <laughs> All right, let's yeah, hear three. They're really hard. I can't. I'm excited to extend grace to you two today. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so good. <laughs> so listen, twos. Um, you know, there's there's a lot about success and a lot about achievement in the type two personality, and a lot of their identity can come from two. I mean, can come from that. Um, and so it's almost like they're projecting an image. So the shell that you're talking about, Christina, is like this, this mask that we wear. And it's as a three, it starts to feel like the mask that you wear are who you really are. So Mm -hmm. what, who am I beneath the mask? The lie that a three can tend to believe is that the images that I project of myself are actually more valuable than who I really am. And that, Mm. oh, when these lies, when I say some of them, it just hurt me in my heart to think that someone would think that. 
So instead of, um, if you see your three that you love getting lost in playing roles or shape-shifting their personalities to kind of be what people think are valuable or admirable, um, Mm -hmm. you can know that they're forgetting who they are at their core and they need to check back into that. So remembering that God created their authentic self and loved them before they did anything that that was awesome at all can help threes reconnect with, um, with, with who they are underneath any of that. If all of the success and the image fell away, that who they are just at home being who mm-hmm. they are, that that is unique and valuable and beloved is a great way to speak to your three's heart. Speak it to each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's that's wonderful. And, and I love how you mentioned that because the in in Mark chapter one, and I'm studying Mark with my small group right now, and uh, there's, there's a verse in verse 11, right at the beginning where Jesus is baptized and then a voice comes from heaven that says, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Mm -hmm. And I remember we spent so much time discussing that one verse because it was like, Jesus didn't do anything, right? This isn't at the end of his ministry. This is at the beginning of his ministry. No miracles done. Yeah, exactly. And, And God says, you are my beloved son, and with you I am well pleased. And and that that verse just hit me so deeply, and I and I see why even more so as a three, right. because it's like yeah, he I don't God is pleased with me. I am good enough without anything else. Right. Yeah. 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 And that I know we're gonna. Yeah. <laughs> and I know being threes, right? We can talk to this. I wish we knew more about our other numbers, but we're you know th- type threes ourselves. So uh, I think another way is to. You're your type three, and I speak for myself. They may not even know who they are mm. without all the accolades, without all the medals yes. and the trophies and the high fives and the likes and all of that. So um, maybe even encouraging them to to have to carve out time to really get to know themselves away from yeah. from the spotlight. Yeah, so. that's right. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> yeah. that's all right. Good. Let's let's hear let's hear about. Okay, now let's finally hear about number four. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. All right. So fours, um, fours can tend to believe the lie that no one understands me. Right. Mm. So if you know about four, they have a lot of emotional depth. They'll feel all the feelings within the course of a day or an hour. Right. And so right. Um, fours are are fantastic to, to have in your life to help you if you're someone who struggles with feeling emotion. It can be so wonderful to have fours in your life. But they also tend to build this identity that because of all of those shifts, um, that that they could never be understood by anyone else. How's the, here's the thing is that it's the thing that they long for the most. So they're busy crafting an identity that's separate, that's sort of uh, mysterious sometimes. And um, so it's this push pull of, please understand me. You could never understand me. Please understand Mm. me. But as their spouse or their partner, you have a unique position to show them how much you want to understand. Now, hmm. I don't know that you can ever fully understand another human, right? Completely. I mean, I've been married, like I said, I've been married for 25 years. I understand more about my husband than I ever have, but 
people are deep. And so we may not ever be able to completely plumb the depths of another person, but just the willingness and the interest in wanting to understand can go a long way with your, with your fours in your life. And the reminder that maybe another person can't fully understand you, but God already does. He created you. He is well pleased right. with you. And, um, you know, that, that he, he will hold any of that understanding that you feel like you lack in here on earth. So right that I love that last part too, Danny, just because I'm thinking of people who are maybe starting um, just dating uh, type mm-hmm. four or maybe they're just newly wed and they're like, I'm trying to I'm trying to let them know that I continue to want to understand yes. them, but we don't necessarily have the decades together where we are, you know, um, really digging deep into who we are. So I love that that constant reminder of, you know, I I am here for you. I am wanting to get to know you. I am going to stay with you to get to know you um, as well. But Christ already knows you. That's right. So I love that reminder. That yeah. is right. Okay. Yep. So, so let's fives? type five. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Fives are, um, are thinkers, right? They do a lot of mental processing. And um, they happen to be in the head center or the thinking center. And so Mm -hmm. they think that their thoughts are their very best source of information. All right. Mm. Um, So they spend a lot of time there and they have amazing mental capabilities. I mean, there's no question about that. But when we only center our wisdom in our brains, we miss out on what our emotions bring us and the yeah. wisdom that the body gives us in so many things. So the lie that, that their thoughts are the only piece of them that can really be trusted can disconnect them in, in mm. ways that are really important for them to have the fullest wisdom that they could possibly experience, right? Mm. So yeah. as their partner, yeah. you can encourage them to get out of their heads a little bit, to get into their bodies, a physical practice of some sort, even just walking to sort of untangle your thoughts is a really helpful way to to get your five, um, you know, into their body, right? And, And also into their emotions. It's amazing how when you're moving, like you just seem to, you know, you just seem to free things up sometimes. I don't know if <laughs> yeah, that works yeah. for you too. I'm like, sometimes yeah. I just no, got to move. A lot of sense. I got I to process and it works for five no, really well too. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, we've yeah. been doing a nightly walk together. Oh. I know we're not a type five, but I do feel like sometimes we can get a lot of stuff stuck in our heads. Totally. And uh, so just being able to to do that, to walk and to talk, we don't even, you know, you have to look where you're going when you're talking. So you can't necessarily look at <laughs> mm-hmm. each other. And sometimes that's that feels um just feels disarming, right? Yeah. Just like, you know what? We can we don't have to look at each other straight in the eyes. Keep eye focus. You have to do this. You have to tell me everything. Yeah. Of just walking. Sometimes it's silent. Sometimes we're we usually walk our dogs, so sometimes we're picking up poop. Mm-hmm. Um, right. but we're spending time together. So I do totally agree with that of just the yeah. practice of moving your body sometimes just gets things unstuck. Well, you know, and that's that's really interesting how you say that, Danny, because in the strengths finder, I intellection is one of my top five which a lot of the stuff that you were describing here is like, yeah, no, I feel that, that I can live in my thoughts and live in my head quite a bit. Uh, and I found that after a 30 or 45 minute Peloton ride, like, like, and it's not even just the, the strength workout, like being on the bike. And there's just something about that, that my brain, like 
it just goes different places right. and yes. and it's almost like a reset uh-huh. when I just work out that hard that I've found that there's been many things, many new thoughts that have come uh, mm. for work or for our family and, and, and about myself and, and different projects that I've been working on that just, it's just, they come after that intense workout that I wouldn't have been able to get. Uh, I think if I just had sat down at my desk for the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> right. That is right. Yeah. We're, you know, we are three centered beings. Like we must have mm-hmm. a bo- We must use our bodies, our brains and our emotions together if we want right. the best outcome and we want to be the fullest version of ourselves. So I think yeah. that's yeah. a great example. That's good. That. All right. Let's hear about six. Okay. Sixes tend to believe the lie that they're not brave. That makes mm. me really sad being married to a well. six. You know, sixes can suffer from a lot of self-doubt. Um, mm. You know, they are troubleshooters. They can they can see what could possibly go wrong. And a lot of times they internalize the, the questions that they have about the world, you know, in themselves. And, mm. and so being in the head triad, they, they have an experience of fear that's important to understand if you're in relationship with a six that most of everything that they're doing, the planning and the looking out for things that could go wrong um, is because they want to protect themselves and, and, and be ready if anything occurs, right? That, that's right. scary okay. or that needs to be taken care of. And sixes have different responses as it comes to fear, right? Some of them are going to be the more flight kind of people. And some people are uh, that are sixes, and we're talking about subtypes here a little bit, that they're mm-hmm. going to be more of that fight sort of sensation. So they have, they vary Mm. in their responses to fear, but, um, all of these experiences of fear are very visceral for a six. And to imagine being someone who has a lot of fear in their life or a lot of underlying anxiety about stuff, taking action in any way is it's extra brave for them to be able to know how everything could go wrong and still act just, Mm. just dispels that lie that they are not brave. So Whenever mm. your six um, takes big action or um, you know makes decisions on, on their on their own and doesn't get a lot of opinions first, um, that's something for you to point out and be really proud of them about. Um, okay. Sixes are okay. honestly some of the most courageous people that there are, and um, mm. most of us know that about the sixes in our lives, but they're later to get on board with the truth of that fact. So. Okay. Okay. Um, So I'm wondering too, Danny, if they're always thinking about what could go wrong or always preparing. If you, as um, like as a spouse, as a partner, that is a different type, but also take time to think about that. Like maybe you're um, you're the one who's going to pack for the trip, Mm. and then you really you know, or detailed about getting everything ready, would that be loving to a six or would that feel like, Hey, you're stepping on my territory. You can't do it as well as I can. Yeah. So that's really important because, um, you know, sixes are, are kind of used to being like waved off, like, Oh, you don't need to be worried about that. Right. And that's like the worst thing you can say to a six. So I would say your idea of jumping in and helping them plan or prepare is actually, you know, some support that they're looking for. So if you can validate that, that, oh yeah, we do need a plan here, or there, there is a reason for us to be on alert here. I think that's really helpful Mm. to a six and helps them increase that connection to their own gut. um, And that can build their confidence in themselves and help them exhibit that courage that they have inside them already. Yeah. Ah, okay. gotcha. Yeah, okay, idea. good to know. Side by side, that's... work side by side and validate how they feel. That's that's a great tip. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think that works for every Enneagram type. I think that's a great suggestion (laughs) for sure. Yeah, Yeah, see, validate, and and be together. Mm -hmm. So how about type 7, Danny? Okay, so the lie that 7s believe is that nobody wants their deeper feelings. They only want me to bring the happy side of myself, right? Mm -hmm. So 7s do bring a ton of enthusiasm and joy into our lives, But I think it's important for everyone to know that that's a burden after a while. We talked a little about how people kind of expect us to show up in our personalities. And when we don't, they can get that idea that like, see, nobody wants that real part of me anyway. I better get back in my shell. I better put that mask back on. And sevens, they they have a complicated um, relationship with with deeper feelings. And so if your seven is sharing something that's not 100% positive, or maybe it's it's a bit of sadness, and you're noticing they're having trouble sharing that, you taking Mm. time to encourage that, I wouldn't press on it, but just leaving them some space to move into that. um, It's going to help them grow that portion of their emotional experience of life. Mm, So sevens really limit themselves to just the happy piece because that's what they think we want from them. So anytime you can make Ah. that space and welcome it that, and let them know that all of their feelings, dark and light are, are embraced by you, that you can help them grow into more of who they actually are as a human. Gotcha. I want to double tap on something um, you said, Danny, you said, uh, make space for it, but don't press it. Uh, what's, what's the difference there? I think it's, it's just difficult for them to, to go there. So, um, especially if you're someone who is a more feeling type, uh, you can, you can, you can make a seven shy away from it if they're not ready. So, um, they're Mm, not really trusting that, that, that it's okay for them to feel that it's, it's, it's not comfortable for them to be in sadness a lot of the time. Mm. So just saying, yeah, you know what, if you, if you would like to talk more about that, I'm here for you. Even as simple as yeah. that, but not like we're going to sit down and I want you to lay all of your sad things out on the table. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. They would okay. be out of here. So. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Hmm. All right. That's, uh, yeah, I have some sevens in mind that, right. yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. Cause I was like, yeah, they, they love being happy and they love, right. always, yeah. So to even go the other way or make room yeah. would just have never come to mind. So yeah, yeah. true. That's great. Okay, let's hear about number eight. Okay, so eights are um, the, the one of the biggest personalities on the Enneagram, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of times eights are really classified as these people who are um, snowplows, right? They just push against things. And part of that is true. They have more energy than any number on the Enneagram. And so they bring that with them into the room. Um, my mentor, Beth McCord, describes them as a snowplow and and they either plow for you or you can really feel it when they're plowing against you, right? So, <laughs> right. so you want your, your eights to be plowing for you. And the message that they get a lot of times and the lie that they hear is I'm too much. And mm. I would say this really affects female Enneagram eights the most because culturally mm. being a bigger personality as a woman has been right. sort of frowned upon. So I would say female eights get this message maybe a lot more than male eights do because of the intensity and the energy that they bring. A lot of us don't know how to hold that. A lot of us feel threatened mm-hmm. by that. And so they can definitely either hear someone say, Hey, whoa, whoa, back off, buddy. Like stop bringing so much of yourself, you know, that right. that can be really harmful to hear. 
So with discernment, eights who are healthy know who can hold that energy for them. What situations can can they bring mm-hmm. their their full self to, um, and and where do they need to to mediate that a little bit? Um, you know, not everyone can hold that impact, but the fact that eights might believe that they're too much is is makes me sad because they do bring right. so much as far as um, as just being able to power through things. They are the power people of our of our, of the Enneagram. And then the thing I always like to do is out them. They also have the the most tender hearts of anyone on the Enneagram. So, so yeah, eights would hate it when I give that up about them, but it's really true. You know, in love and eight that it's the case for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. I do see that with um, the whole, it almost seems a little bit like the four in sense of the pushing and the pulling, oh. right? Like, um, I want to be strong or per- or people to perceive to be strong um, and, and sort of push against that. But they also, I mean, this might be a generalization. I'm only thinking about the people that I know. They appreciate when you push back oh, yeah. too so that it's like, no, you're actually, you hear me, you see me, and yes. you don't think I'm snow plowing over you because that, especially for a female, it can look negative in, in other people's eyes. Like, oh, you just bulldoze me over. Yes. Like, no, I'm bringing, I'm bringing my energy to you as well and saying, hey, I do want to talk about this intensely because I care for mm. you. Um, and I yes. hear you. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. You I don't that. know if that's true, Danny. No. That's kind of just what I've observed you in my yeah, in my friendships. Head. Yeah, intensity and bringing it back to an eight, that's going to make right. them feel loved. Because just like you said, oh, you hear me? And you're willing to to, to spar with me a little bit? I think a lot of times right. uh, people think eights are angry when they're not necessarily angry, but they are passionate about it. And if you can bring right. some matching energy... Oh, it's a dance that they really enjoy. And it can bring you closer together with your partner if you know how to do that. Okay. Okay. Good to know. So, well, let's go to our last type, uh, type nine. Okay. And this one makes me sad about nines too, but they believe that their voice doesn't matter as much as other people's voice does. Mm. Mm. So, oh, right. I know. I love how you get both sides. It's like, oh. Yeah. Knowing the nines that you probably know in your yeah. life, yeah, yeah, nines bring a perspective that few people have because um, oh, they're yeah. called the right. sweethearts of the Enneagram, which is, you know, it's sort of true. They're also very stubborn at times. So there's <laughs> two sides to every coin, but right. they can see all, from almost any perspective, which, which means that they're comfortable in groups. They get along with almost anyone um, and they are most likely to, to give someone else's voice a fuller volume than their own. And so mm. nines will, will kind of grow up or get the message that, that they should be quiet and that maybe they don't have much to say. Um, and it can also feel like if they assert their voice at all, it could cause disharmony and conflict um, is something that nines mm. really want to avoid. And so right. because they don't think their, their voice matters, they can be asleep to themselves and what they really want because they're not practicing asking, what do I think about that? Because they're going with yeah. what the other person thinks. But yeah. gotcha. they need to recognize and their partner can help them understand that their voice matters because they matter. They matter mm. so much. They are right. someone that God created. And not only do they matter to God, um, but but you can show them that they matter to you too by giving them space again to, to um 
answer questions first, to tell you about their day first. Give them space to use their voice before you jump in gotcha. with what you want to say. So. Yeah. Okay. okay. Now, I would wonder, like you were saying with the Enneagram 7, like don't press them. Mm. Is that the same um, uh, advice for a type 9 or should you press them? <laughs> mm. Well, I think that nobody really likes to feel pressed, right? Um, right. Mm-hmm. Nines can tend to get stubborn if you push them too much. I would say, mm. again, a gentle approach, right? Just like leaving right. that space, asking the question, um, and then ask a follow-up question. So that's a good mm-hmm. way to kind of make space even when, you know, they're having trouble coming up with something. Just make yeah. it available. Okay. Perfect. So that. good. So good. Well, Danny, thank you so much for being on our podcast with us. It was such a joy to get to know you a little bit more mm-hmm. and, and to hear uh, about the Enneagram from a really different perspective yeah. to, to see it as a tool to see. So thank you, Danny. You're, um, Danny Cooper has written the book, The Enneagram for Christian Couples, A Guide to Understanding Your Personality Types and Deepening Your Relationship. Danny, um, if our podcast family wants to get in touch with you or learn more about you and, and your book and all that you do, where would be the best place to uh, for them to go? Yeah, thank you. And it was such a pleasure to be here and talk with you both. Um, you guys can find me at Deep Waters Enneagram on Instagram and on Facebook. And that's also my website, deepwatersenneagram.com. So. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Danny. It was an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much. What a fascinating episode, right, Daniel? Yeah, it was so fascinating talking to Danny about the lies. Yeah, well, it felt a little bit exposing too, right? As she's going through the Enneagram 3 <laughs> yeah, lies, yeah, and we're yeah. like, yep, yeah, yep, yep. yeah. But I also loved <laughs> how she wanted to talk about the truth and how we can really love our spouses through them recognizing the lies, but then also beginning to be on that journey of realizing them and not believing them anymore. Yes, 100%. So, you know what? If this episode resonated with you in any way, we would be honored if you would share it with your spouse, a friend, or a family member. You can text them the link inbetween.org slash episode 155, or just hit the share button on your favorite podcasting app. In fact, if you go to that link, you can find the show notes and links to buy the book. We're also going to include links to our previous episodes about the Enneagram and post links to our incredible and free printables about the Enneagram. And now, podcast family, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. We'll talk soon. This episode was brought to you in part by the Table Podcast at Dallas Theological Seminary. Listen to rotating hosts discuss issues of God and culture to demonstrate theology's relevance in everyday life. Find it on your podcast app. For videos and more, visit dts.edu podcast.